Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. And welcome everybody to this Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast number 215. Hard to believe. And we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas. So grab a globe, spin it around. Bang! Not really sure where you ended up. So spin it around. Find Texas. Southeast side of Texas is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland. And that's where we're at. This is the No Church Answers Tour. We're not we're not pastors, we're just regular guys. But each of us are on our own spiritual journey, and we feel all men are leaders, leaders of your family, leaders at work, leaders in your church and community. But sometime that lead dog needs to be fed, spiritually charged. So that's why we're here. So whether you found us on Facebook, SoundCloud, where we archive all of our podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, our website at man-upspiritualoasis.com. We are glad you are joining us. And we typically do an adult Bible fellowship or Sunday school lesson. And uh, we have a panel discussion, some great guys, and we use different publications and what we do is we go through and we'll give an overview first. Then we'll actually read the lesson. And then we'll dig into it deeper and kind of update it, put a man's spin on it, and uh, try to get something that's applicable for our lives and helps us. We do use many different publications, but right now we're in the study of First uh, and Second Chronicles. This is a Connect 360. And... Uh, it's from Baptist Way Press, and they do an outstanding job. And my name is Bill Cox, and it's great to be back. I've been on uh, uh, a little bit of a vacation with my family. I want to thank uh, producer Steve Titch and uh, the professor, Robert Koshu, for stepping in my shoes and uh, want to thank him for uh, letting me have my shoes back. <laughs> so they're very big shoes they to fill, <laughs> oh, and they don't smell that great either. Um, but I, I just also uh, wanted to thank the people of uh, North Wayne Mennonite Church. What a wonderful congregation! Uh, I was welcomed there as uh, as I uh, I gave a sermon, <laughs> which was uh, was great for not being a pastor. Uh, kind of humbling. Um, but also I ran into some people that, uh, listen to our podcast. I want to thank those fellows because they came out to me. He goes, but we're not pastors. We're just regular guys. <laughs> <laughs> and so thank you so much. And, and this kind of thing is happening to us more and more as the, as their gains momentum with the podcast. And I think really with the men, uh, men movement. So, uh, awesome but it is even better to be back and i can tell you this people say that grass is greener on the other side grass is greenest where you're loved and i had that experience while i was vacation and and when i've come back so it's great to be here and uh i want to go ahead and we'll i'm going to introduce the panel and this is uh 
this is going to be deep discussion. The judge is uh, diving, and so he will not be here. And I think uh, Kyle is just out making money. So, uh, <laughs> And with us is uh, producer Steve Titch. He's uh, a world-class policy writer, a bit of a professional gambler, and also the producer of the show. So, uh, hey, Steve. Hello. And uh, also, he's a world-class trainer and uh, also the, uh, the pit master uh, when it comes to barbecuing. Uh, we call him the professor, uh, Robert Koshu. He's here as well. Hello, everybody. Hey, hey Robert. Um, and with that, um, <clears throat> I want to go ahead and uh, just get this discussion started. Uh, a basic overview on this particular uh, study and start with uh, Mr. Steve Titch. Yes, hi. Uh, thanks. Uh, we're going to talk about Solomon's Prayer for Wisdom, and this begins a series of lessons over the next few weeks that are really going to deal with leadership, which is one of our stocks in trade. Uh, we believe all men are leaders. Uh, we're going to get to talk about that, I think, for the next few weeks in different aspects of it. This beginning, of course, the simple idea of leading wisely and praying for wisdom and why wisdom is important. And I'll just simply start out by saying often you hear Wisdom is a combination of knowledge plus experience. But I'm going to throw in one more characteristics, and that's conviction. Because sometimes you can know the right thing to do, but you need the conviction to act on it. And I think that's as much a part of wisdom as, as the other two components. Interesting. Uh, Professor Koshu. So since Mike's not here, I'll kind of set us up. I'll okay, the historian's it. out. I, I, right, I will right. fill his role tonight. So we've gone to the part where the kingdom has changed hands. Solomon is now in charge, by the way. For, for anybody that thinks it was a, a easy thing where David said, mm -hmm. Bless you, Solomon, my son. You are king. And everybody bowed down and went, okay. Go read Second, you know, First Kings. And it has details regarding that entire situation. Uh, there was a fairly bloody purge that took mm -hmm. place in the middle of it, including killing David's right-hand man, Joab. The, the man, David, I, I, we've, we called Joab back when we studied him, David's fixer. <laughs> right, right, right. Or the cleaner, you know, whichever, which if you want to go mob terms, he was the cleaner. Spy terms, he was the fixer. Um, Winston Wolf. Oh, I yeah. solve problems. That's, oh, at, yeah. that's kind of at the start of our, uh, yep. our podcast. Yep. Exactly. But he, uh, he, Joab gets killed on the altar in the tabernacle, basically, <laughs> clutching the altar because they're like, well, he won't come out of there. Someone's like, just kill him there. Be done with it. Kills one of his brothers, exiles another. I mean, it it was pretty set up. But he consolidated power. After he consolidated power, you know, now he's ready. David has had the speech, and we covered it last week where, you know, and, and Mike liked the joke, this was supposed to be about Solomon, but for some reason <laughs> the first three lessons were about David. Well, David David said, hey, this is Solomon. Here's what he's supposed to do. Here's everything going on. Then he's, then David lists out everything he had stockpiled 
for the temple. And then David reached into his own pocket, pulled a bunch of cash out, threw it at the building project. And because of David's leadership, all of his other people, his court leaders and all of that did the same. So all of that's taking place. It's, I, I like to think this is probably that night, maybe another night, but Solomon, David actually appears to Solomon. Or, sorry, let me rephrase that. God actually appeared to Solomon and said, I gave your father things. What do you want? And that sets up the scripture Bill's going to read. Because basically, this is Solomon deciding what he really wants. So now we're going to get to the crux of what kind of leader Solomon said. And as Steve said, you know, leadership's kind of our forte. So this is where we're going to start in at. And we're going to start in here as far as one of the things that makes a leader a leader as we look at it. Excellent setup. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and read the uh, scripture. It's Second Chronicles 1, 1 through 13. Now Solomon, the son of David, was strengthened in his kingdom, and the Lord his God was with him and exalted him exceedingly. And Solomon spoke to all Israel, to the captains of thousands, of hundreds, to the judges, and to every leader in all of Israel, the heads of the fathers' houses. Then Solomon and all the assembly with him went to the high place that was at Gibeon, for the tabernacle of meeting with God was there, which Moses, the servant of God, had made in the wilderness. But David had brought up the ark of God from Kirjath, Jerem, to the place David had prepared for it. For he had pitched a tent for it at Jerusalem. Now the bronze star that was Belzebel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, had made, he put before the tabernacle of the Lord. Solomon and the assembly sought him there. And Solomon went up there to the bronze altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of the meeting, and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. On that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said to God, You have shown great mercy to David, my father, and have made me king in his place. Now, O Lord God, let your promise to David, my father, be established, for you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this great people of yours? Then God said to Solomon, Because this was in your heart, and you have not asked for riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked for long life, but have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall come after you have the like. So Solomon came to Jerusalem from the high place that was at Gibeon, 
and before the tabernacle of meeting and reigned over Israel. I just want to go ahead and uh, I just a couple of thoughts that I had. Number one, um, you, if you think about this story before you actually read the uh, scripture, you think, well, Solomon basically had everything. He was king anyway. I mean, when you're king, I mean, really, what can you ask for? And and so I, I thought about it, and I was, uh, I mean, to me, he was praying for wisdom. But like what the professor said, just came from a, through a, a bloody period uh, turnover. And so in a way, asking to me, asking for wisdom is like asking for security. <laughs> I, I actually, I'm gonna, I'm, I, I'm gonna add to that by saying it's a, it's almost you have to be wise to ask for wisdom. I, I would agree with you to a point, but human nature is, is when you get something, you always want more. And sure, he got a lot of wealth from David. He got a lot of, you know, he's got a fairly secure empire. He's dealt with his enemies. But human nature is, I'm never satisfied. We see that in the Bible time and time again. I'm not satisfied. I need to, you know, all David's, other David's other sons, I'm, I, I want to be king. And Solomon puts, you know, pumps the brakes here. Hey, let me just have a quick diversion. You're, you're from the East, right, Steve? Yes, I am. Um, I think it was H.L. Hunt that said, um, anything that is not nailed down is mine. And <laughs> the silver guy, right. And, you're right. And anything I can yes. pry loose. He did. <laughs> anything I can pry loose is not nailed down. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> you, so, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Which kind of proves your point. So, you know? so, so, he, so, yeah, I mean, he's got, yeah, actually, it's a funny way of looking at it because he doesn't have to worry too much about either wealth or, 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 or security at this point. Um, nonetheless, how, how many of us are comfortably wealthy and comfortably secure, yet we're still worried about money and insecure? Well, I think we will always worry about money. And as a matter of fact, um, that was one of my mother's uh, okay. big regrets is that she that she told me uh, in, later on in life before she mm-hmm. passed that um, we were poor farm kids. Mm-hmm. And my mom said, I, I'm, I'm really sorry that I ingrained that in you, that you were we weren't we were just like everybody else around mm-hmm. us. We certainly weren't wealthy. But we weren't poor either. I mean, we didn't go hungry. You know, we, we were farmers. And, and, and you know, you get that. Um, and, and like my wife, they lived in apartments and stuff. And, and I, I've had stuff that I've moved every time we've moved. And she's never unpacked it. Yet she won't get rid of it. You know what I'm saying? It, it gets just like uh, affluence too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, and people are also on the other other side, too. Well, I, I think it's, and it's interesting, like you said, that Solomon goes through this, and he does. He gets a really nice inheritance from his dad. You know, because, because and, and it's not just money he gets. Notice that, and, and I think that's really important. Because 
outside of this initial little purge thing that he goes through that was all internal, there is no external enemy. The, the Philistines are done. We never really hear the Philistines ever again after David. David put them to the sword to the point that they more or less disappear from Israelite history. You know, they still exist. At least we think they do as a people. But not They're no as longer a, a power. They're no they, longer they, a are, they are not a threat. You know, Lebanon, like I mentioned before, he was pretty much... You're, you're either an <laughs> ally or not a threat. I yeah. mean, that's, that's where they are yeah. at this point. Yeah, right. there, there is, so he has set up a nice kingdom for him mm-hmm. to rule. When we talk about the temple, the temple is going to be the permanent dwelling place of God. Now, make note that it wasn't God's idea to build a temple, ever. He had a tabernacle, tent, move around, set it up at Shiloh. This was in effect, when David brought the ark to Jerusalem, he was setting up the state religion and making himself the head of the state religion. Well, now we're going to take it a step further because we're going to build the national cathedral, as it were, for the state where, the, where we're going to accomplish everything we do. And the priest become part of the royal lineage and royal peace at this part. They're part of the court. Right. The priests are there. So we're doing that as we go through. Then he gives him all the money, the plans for the temple, and everything else. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take the first break. We will be right back. This is Man Up, podcast number 215. Hey, pastors, pastors and, and church, church leaders. leaders. Are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. Interested in learning more? Visit man-upspiritualoasis.com or contact Bill Cox at liveshow at manupmedia.org. And now, back to the fellows of Man Up. And welcome back, everybody. This, uh, This is podcast number 215, and we're talking about Solomon's prayer for wisdom. And um, uh, the professor was just talking about the uh, temple, um, about, and it was never God's idea. And I just want to throw a couple of points out that uh, so the professor can go ahead and shoot them down. Um, I think uh, part of this is uh, changing from the nomadic society that they had to being a more stable and uh, I don't want to say, but certainly, yes, uh, urban, more agricultural uh, society as opposed with nomadic. And that's why the permanency um, of the uh, of the temple. Um, but also what I wanted to talk about real quick about um, about wisdom and uh Steve was talking about um, <clears throat> about Solomon, and I think the uh, it's it's ex- 
wisdom is experience and uh, knowledge and conviction is what Steve wrote down in the uh, production notes for tonight, which I think is awesome. But, but what I also think, though, is that it's the sum of a person's being. You can't be wise without uh, necessarily experience. And, but you don't necessarily always make wise decision. I think it's a, a person, you're, you're getting graded as having wisdom. You know, kind mm -hmm. of uh, is is, well, is kind of the way I look about it. Wisdom beyond their years, and as as we've been talking right. about, Solomon's still pretty young. You know, he's right. 20, twenty, early twenties, and so this is what makes kind of this prayer somewhat remarkable. Um, we don't really cover it in this lesson book, but right after this comes the famous story of the prostitute and the baby, where. And and that's an example of the wisdom he has, of course. When the when when the when two mothers claim that the baby is theirs, he says, "Well, let's cut it in half and give it to each." And of course, there's the real mother who says, the, the woman says, who says, no, "No, no, give that to that woman." He he deduces that's the real mother. And so, but we don't. But but this idea of, of what you're saying, um, that this wisdom comes through experience. Which comes first, experience or wisdom, or are they both related to each other? But what, what the author says here, and theologically we can talk about this a bit, is that he makes clear that this isn't an earthly wisdom, that this is a God-given wisdom, that this is an insight that, that God has gift, gift, gifted Solomon with, with a bit of divine perception. Beyond, right. beyond what you may gain from sitting at David's knee or from experiencing doing administration in the kingdom and dealing with people, what we think of gaining wise leadership, Solomon gets tapped into God himself, which is kind of awesome when you think about it. But in some ways, what not it something as we as Christians also try to do in both our faith journeys and even in every day. We try to get a, a wisdom beyond, beyond sheer, sheer empirical, physical, material world. So, interestingly enough, and you've got your laptop <laughs> oh, warmed up. A professor. Well, I, I pulled it up because I looked up, and I realized I forgot to pull it out earlier. Um, I looked up the Hebrew definition of the word we're hearing here. <laughs> The word is the Hebrew word chakma, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. So. Chakma. Chakma, okay. okay. Um, and it is defined as skillful wisdom, mm -hmm. which I find very interesting. Wisely. Mm -hmm. It is a, here's the kicker, it's a feminine noun usually. <laughs> wisdom meaning is, is often, wisdom, wisdom is often yeah. personified as a female yep. in, in mythology. Yeah, meaning Another. wisdom, skill, experience, shrewd. <laughs> which I am very intrigued by. It's a word that's used repeatedly in Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Job. So it's kind of the books it's really mm -hmm. clustered in. And it's ordained by God. And it, so it may be expressed in three different places. And here's where I think some really good discussion can happen. It can be expressed in the created universe. Wisdom we're talking about. Yeah, wisdom. <laughs> It can be expressed in technical capability and then in providence, which I find, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I, 
I found that when I looked that up, I found that very, very interesting because so like Bill, I just took a vacation as well and I went to the Smoky Mountains and we hiked the old Chimney Tops Trail, which is close for the last half mile due to the fire. But I tell you what, you go up 3,000 feet and you stand on this little platform and you overlook and you can see the Sugarland Mountains and Sugarland Mountain, Chimney Top, Clingman's Dome. You basically can see three to four states from the top of this mountain and see this great forest below you. And at the same time, look over to this Chimney Top and see the scars from the wildfires they had in 2016. And you get a really good expression of the created universe when you look at that. Right. I was talking with my boy, Andrew, about um, this particular thing about wisdom. And he brought up something that I, I don't know if we've touched on it yet, though. And he goes, you know, I don't know anybody that I would have called wise that was not disciplined. And, you know, you think about that, and sometimes you have to go at a problem a different way. Instead of an attribute, what don't you see in people that you don't, you wouldn't consider wise? And, and that was the thing that, that he came up with, that vast, people that are wise are disciplined. And I think that's an important point for us to make. Um, but... I, I, a, a thing that I brought up was um, uh, just a couple of things. Humble leadership is wise leadership. And because I'm, I work as a project manager, um, I have a pretty good idea when to delegate and when to let the team lead. A leader is not needed all the time. And I think discretion is an important part of leadership because leaders need to be ready to show up and make that decision when there's a crisis. But he, a leader doesn't need to be inserting himself in everything that comes up. Well, it, it's interesting because one of Ronald Reagan's famous quotes is, it's amazing what you can accomplish when you don't when you don't care who gets the credit, and I think that is one of the true, one of the true, obviously not a spiritual quote, but one of the true truisms about leadership, and that comes from wisdom because it's true you don't care who gets credit. All you if you're a true leader, you don't care who gets the credit. What you care about is. That it gets done and done Goals right. Accomplished. Yeah. That you're that you're done at the end of the day. And mm -hmm. like you said, Bill, there are times as a leader you have to step back. And there are times as a leader you have to insert yourself. And there are times as a leader you come alongside. And having and I think part of wisdom, and I think this is kind of the wisdom Solomon was talking about that he wanted, because he had some administrative experience. We're pretty sure of that. You know, that David had probably been kind of you know, here, sit by mm -hmm. me and watch what I do and, you know, all of that. But he knew that he wasn't Saul, mm -hmm. you know, because he, he wasn't ruddy and good looking, although he obviously was very handsome, something about a thousand wives there, 
You know, power is an aphrodisiac. Right. Yeah, that's, you that's, know. A fact. that's a fact. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, there, yeah. there, there probably was at least some. I mean, come on, his dad was David, his mom was Bathsheba. He had bad genes. <laughs> he had to have good genes there at some level. Right. Um, but so he knew he wasn't Saul, who was going to lead because he was big and Saul was tall. That was the right. Thing. Right. That was the main thing. Saul. Stood out. You know, he knew he wasn't David. You know, I, mean, he, I, I would argue. I would argue that other than for ceremonial, he he was probably, boy, I'm going to get some flame on this, all directed to me. Okay, so if you ever look at the royal family. Britain. Yeah, the British royal family. (laughs) From the United Kingdom of Great Britain, Ireland, and Scotland, Prince Charles has earned about... You just got flamed by the Irish. It's Northern Ireland. Boy, you're going to get flamed now. Yeah. Um, He... he, he earned about a tenth of the medals and junk you see on his chest mm-hmm. when they're in uniform. You notice his boys are much, especially Harry. Please don't comment mm-hmm. on Harry one way or the other. But if you ever look at Harry, Harry uniform does not have near as many accruedments on it because Harry wanted to really be a soldier and he refuses to wear anything but the ceremonial stuff. You know, but the stuff he earned. I would argue right. Solomon probably never picked a sword up except in a ceremony. You know, he right. obviously didn't go out and fight. That's what he had mm-hmm. to whoever the guy that killed Joab was. Yeah, but think about it this way. How, how, how much more difficult uh, it is to succeed someone that is just about at the top of the game. And then where can you take it? Yep. You you can it, you, mm-hmm. you you just got to try and keep the ship from flaming it's, it's down. It's harder. What what, what I would Solomon agree. had because David, you get out to the battlefield. It's pretty binary. You win or you lose. You, the day yeah. is yours right. or not. Yay! The day when you're when you're building a temple, and this is going to take years. Oh yes, you're going to have years if I remember correctly. You're going to have just like any other job. You're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days, and there are going to be days where you sit there and wonder. Why did I ever take this on, and why did God send me the people who are, who I've got to deal with? Even though they might be the great people, they're going to get, they're going to exasperate you. But as a leader, the thing is, they can't even like on the battlefield, they can't see you sweat. I'm, you I'm, can't run around panicking or or you know switching with the ties. You have to you have to be at least in front of your people, a, a, a figure of consistency and example. And even though, even though you might be going crazy on the inside, even though you might be ready to bust heads, you've got to keep it together because that's, this is one aspect of it, because that's the way your people will keep it together. Well, the thing, yeah. but the thing about it is about building. And I'm sorry I wasn't able to dial in for this last lesson, though. David got everybody's commitments. And by committing the huge sums of money, he was showing his intent, the whole kingdom's intent, because of all this money, to have the grandest structure made. So that's, uh, like they say, uh, your interest, we can tell where your interest is by looking at your checkbook. Where you spend your money, that's where your interest is. So, But he set him up because that was going to be a huge building project 
and he turned over that leadership. So he mentored him for a few years about it and made sure everybody was on the side. And building projects, um, there's, it's not necessarily hard. You have to make a plan that works and you have to work your plan. Now, individually, you're going to have issues, but it's kind of like uh, a chapter of a book. You get one chapter done, you don't move on until that chapter is done because if the foundation's right, not right, you're not going to put up any walls. You, you, you know what I'm saying? So it's really something formulaic. But well, that's, that but kind of the, leadership. The, well, I'm not going to say this is the first time it's been done because they've had, they have examples, obviously, from Egypt by now and, and Assyria. Right. Uh, this is not the first time, but this is, this, is, this is something that's being done on a scale that the people of Israel haven't done. And I'm, I'm, I know it sounds, when you read the first few chapters of, of, of this lesson, the last few chapters of Chronicles, it sounds like the work is all cut out for Solomon, but not really. In fact, there's a whole lot of pressure on him. This is, this is the new guy who's going, who's, who's had this all given to him. He, he is now, the expectation is now that he is going to build this glorious temple that his father, the mighty David, envisioned. And yeah, we're all with you now today because we all heard the speech from David and it fired us up. We contributed the money. We're showing up on day one to work and we're starting but what's going to happen on day 50, day 100? And now it's in, it's in Solomon's court, the ball literally and figuratively is, and he's got, he's got to keep this going. And this is where I think the wisdom comes in because I think here he's dealing with very what, something that very few monarchs have had to deal with, this, this huge building program. Um, and actually doing something. And, and well, <laughs> you know. it, 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 it's a huge building program of the temple. Mm -hmm. But if you research the and rest it's of religious. his rule, it's to his God. That's right. the other thing. Right. You can't right. mess this one up. Right. Well, <laughs> and, it, and and well, it's it's to his God, mm -hmm. but it's also the one that Daddy said he had to do. Mm -hmm. So he had to mm -hmm. not only do it, mm -hmm. but he had to reach out and take care mm -hmm. of something that his dad said. <laughs> do this excellent and with that we're going to go ahead and uh dad said take the second break so we're going to be right back this is man up you're listening to the man up spiritual oasis for men podcast it's brought to you by man up media i'm pastor chris busher and hey i know these guys their podcast is gritty authentic and unexpectedly funny you can find them on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Facebook under Man Up, and all other podcasts are archived on SoundCloud and now even on Pray.com app. They're not pastors, but they're very reliable, regular guys, and that's why their No Church Answers tour movement is growing so fast. So for the Uncommon Man by Equally Uncommon Men, contact Man Up at www.man-upspiritualoasis.com. And now back to the podcast and fellows of Man Up. And welcome back, everybody. This is Man Up, podcast number 215. We are finishing up um, the Solomon's Prayer for Wisdom. And we're talking about this, uh, the, the leadership that has been thrust upon him and the fact that he has to build uh, this huge tabernacle. And it's almost as if 
um, the rookie gets thrown into the game and they expect him to hit a grand slam on his on his very first at bat. And although it and in life um, for all the assets and everything that Solomon had given to him, this was kind of also a, a little bit unfair. But you know that's that's part of life. Life's unfair. Life is nobody said it would be fair. Uh, and and the thing about failures and, and that kind of stuff is, uh, it gives you a chance to succeed, uh, you know, to try it again, to overcome it. Um, and I never really thought about it until this lesson about uh, being a poor pig farmer. We the bar was kind of low. <laughs> I mean, success to us was getting the pigs to the market. Or keeping them in the pen, you know, very nothing. We didn't. I we I didn't have to do anything that was showy or 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 it wasn't expected. You mean so you didn't like have that. to wash the pig down and show him? I did show them. And okay. as a matter of fact, I had champions. I never had a grand champion though. I showed pigs and steers. See, I get in yeah. trouble at the livestock show because we go to the rodeo and they've got the birthing center sitting there and the mm -hmm. big hog is there with fifteen piglets and I'm like ham, bacon. Pork chop, pork loin. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I was at the I was at the Houston rodeo, and the guy says, uh, "You know, you like this smell because uh, of all the pigs that were all in one area." I go, "I go, yeah. It smells like money. That's what my dad <laughs> used to say. Smells like it, money." But it, but it, but it's one of those. I, I think, I, I think this prayer for wisdom reflects some earthly wisdom from Solomon. I think he realized, and I'm going to use the word, the pickle he was in. I don't think he thought he was in trouble. But I think, like all leaders, know where your limits are and when you need to go get. Where a lot of leaders get in trouble is in two places. They get in trouble, number one, because they get arrogant. And so they think, I can do no wrong. So they surround themselves with bobbleheads. That You know what bobbleheads do? They bobble up oh, and down. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. And then the second place they get in trouble is they don't realize where their limitations are. I think Solomon heard David's speech, looked at all this, and silently kind of went, oh, crap. <laughs> well, he went to the heads of households. He went yep. to, so before this speech, he talked with thousands of people. So you got to give him credit. He didn't have his head that far over his skis. Yeah. He knew, I, I think he knew he was getting into something, but he also, and this is the thing about manning up, and, you know, he accepted that responsibility. And you know what? And there's, when there's a time of crisis and they look to you to be a leader, stand up, be one. And, and he, he realized it. He talked to everybody. He was, he was, he was the man. Well, he accepted the responsibility, but he also knew to ask for help. Mm -hmm. And and quite honestly, he didn't go to the architect and said, hey, I'm going to need some help running this project. Well, he went to the master architect. He, he didn't go to the money guy and say, okay, I'm going to need some help. We've got to work the finances out here. How are we going to make this happen? Got to pay everybody on time. He didn't go to the stonecutter or 
the captain of the army. How do we keep these guys working all the time? You want to, you know, sur- surround the guy with spears. Let's keep him motivated. You know, he, he, when God showed up and said, what do you want? I think he knew in his head already, hey, you know what? I'm going to need an extra dose of wisdom to make this thing happen. And, and you, you know, actually here you said humility, humbleness. Also, before God, he was not afraid to be vulnerable. I mean, oh, he good has to point. be good. good he, had point. To be, he has to be kind of strong for his people. But there are times when you as a leader have to realize you're going to have to make yourself vulnerable. Uh, and that and that's a staying in touch with your own humanity. So along with that, along with that, you know, I not I know what I don't know. I, I, and I and and it is it is something, you know, it is basically one thing about wisdom. You can't take it away from you. Once you right. get it, it's it's yours. You, um, unlike all well, the other stuff that that he could ask for, uh, he had, and and I'll, I'll when we get to close, I'll I'll pull something out from the from from the book of Job, um, but the Bible sees wisdom as as really one of the most valuable things one can possess. But truly valuable wisdom is in the possession of a man of action. A man who does nothing but is wise wastes the wisdom. And so I think that's uh, that's a part of it, too, is that Solomon was the right person for God to bestow wisdom on. He was the man in position. He had a purpose. He had a project. There was a need for and, it. And, and what you're saying is really important for, for, for Christian men, for part of Christianity. And we looked at this when we studied Mark. Jesus was a man of action. In your faith, you're not being called to sit on a rock and contemplate with a long beard and son, daughter, come to me and I will impart what I have learned from the Bible for studying it for 50 years. A wise man indeed is a man of action who not only knows what he knows and knows what he doesn't know, but has the conviction to act on it. Uh, you're not being called to sit around either, either to give advice or sit around worrying about the way the world is. You're called on to use this wisdom to try to discern God's will for you, and then once that's discerned, act on it. Absolutely. Yep. Good, good, good example. Our youth actually went Monday and did a service project and learned about mm-hmm. the condition, the uh, combating human trafficking in mm-hmm. Texas group, Cynthia Ald's group. It's a member of our church. They went and did something, you know, and we talked mm-hmm. about it, you know, in Sunday when mm-hmm. I was teaching up there, I was like, you know, guys, y'all are going to be shocked at what you hear. There's a stretch of street on Bissonette in Houston. You don't want to go because there are ladies of the evening there, and about 85 to 90% of them are being trafficked. You know, now we contribute, we work, and we do things, but you're right, Bill, as Christians and Steve, we're called to do action about things. We're not called to sit and go, oh, y'all are evil over there. Y'all shouldn't be doing mm-hmm. that. You know, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to handle it? What are you going to do to take care of it? And I think that that's the real lesson from all this is that. 
I think as we come down to uh, the final thoughts on um, podcast 215, uh, about, about leadership, and I think there's moments in everybody's life where you have to stand up and be a leader. And, and certainly when you get as old as me, there's, only, there's just certain times uh, that I remember that I had to lead or I was expected to lead or I saw somebody else lead. And I can tell you this about wisdom, though. I have seen people say, now that man is wise. I've never seen anybody say, you know, I'm wise. (laughs) It's not something a person can bestow on themselves. You can seek wisdom. You can study. You can experience and grow older and stuff but you acquire wisdom that's kind of what i wanted to start off with and let's start getting some final thoughts uh start with professor koshu yeah i'm i'm gonna so proverbs 8 is a great example and a great way to read i'm gonna read just verses 4 through 13 and let that kind of serve as mine To you, O people, I call, and my cry is for all that live. O single ones, learn learn prudence. O simple ones, learn prudence. Acquire intelligence, you who lack it. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. From my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to one who understands. And write to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. I, wisdom, live with prudence and attain knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance in in the way of evil are perverted speech I hate. Nice. That, that is really what we're talking yeah, about here. I've, I've got something similar from Excellent. from Job, uh, which comes at, in chapter 28 of Job. Now, most familiar with the story, Job is God and devil make a, God and Satan, he's not really the devil at that point, but God and Lucifer make a pact. Uh, I'm going to, Satan says, throw all these woes on Job and, he, Job and he'll reject you. And God says, no, let's do it and see what happens. And yes, all these terrible things happen to Job. And there's, in, in the book, there's a whole big discussion where he has with his friends over the nature of why bad things happen to good people. Uh, that's another story for now. But right in the middle of this, after this discussion ends, there's a soliloquy to wisdom in chapter 28. It almost, it almost is an interlude. Uh, it's attributed to Job, but it, it just jumps in there. And it does, it does have, have relevance in, to the themes of the book. But for our purposes here, I think it really does a good job in not only showing uh, the importance of wisdom and the value of wisdom, but also how hard it is to find. And when we look at it in, in, in the context of Solomon's prayer of how, quote unquote, wise that prayer was, because the Bible tells us wisdom, especially from God, is not always easy to find. So here it is. I'm going to read just a portion, Job 28. I'm going to start uh, with um, verse 12 and go on through verse 28. Uh, But where can wisdom be found? 
Where does understanding dwell? Man does not comprehend its worth. It cannot be found in the land of the living. The deep says, it is not with me. The sea says, it is not with me. It cannot be bought with the finest gold, nor can its price be weighed in silver. It cannot be bought with the gold of Ophir, with precious onyx or sapphires. Neither gold nor crystal can compare with it, nor can it be had for jewels of gold, coral, and jasper are not worthy of mention. The price of wisdom is beyond rubies. The topaz of Cush cannot compare with it. It cannot be bought with pure gold. So where then does wisdom come from? Where does understanding dwell? It is hidden from the eyes of every living thing, concealed even from the birds of the air. Destruction and death say, only a rumor of it has reached our ears. God understands the way to it. He alone knows where it dwells, for he views the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. When he established the force of the wind and measured out the waters, when he made a decree for rain and a path for the thunderstorm, then he looked at wisdom and appraised it. He confirmed it and tested it. And he said to man, The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to shun evil is understanding. Oh, that is awesome. And I just want to go ahead and uh, finish. Uh, I, I love the production notes that our producer, Steve Titch, uh, brought out for uh, the show prep. Knowledge plus experience plus conviction equals wisdom. And uh, I just wanted to add that it's not a mental process, but it is a sum of a person's being. And with that... Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, this is Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men. I um, want to thank so much for all our uh, sponsors and supporters, and it was great seeing all the folks uh, on vacation as I uh, uh, did live at uh, North Wayne Mennonite Church. And on behalf of uh, producer Steve Titch, uh, the professor, Robert Koshu, my name is Bill Cox, and we're on the No Church Answers Tour, so check out our new YouTube channel, whether you found us on uh, Facebook, SoundCloud, where we archive all of our podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, you can go to our Facebook page or man-upspiritualoasis.com and post it there. If you're unable to attend a church, uh, check out the Sugarland Baptist Church streaming service. It's on Facebook, YouTube, and sugarlandbaptist.org. Uh, starts Sundays at 945, and when you're ready, we encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church in person. Why local? So you'll go and participate. And find a small group, adult Bible fellowship, ABF, or Sunday school class where you can join for small group discussions like this. And find one that is men only, and if there isn't one, start one! This is Man Up! You've been listening to Man Up. You want Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flame through into this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man Dash Up. Post questions, and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.